0: day of 2023 in the Christian calendar. I wonder how many times I write that on checks correctly or still put down 2022, at least for first few days. Of course, it's been um, roughly 2023 years since the incarnation, which is celebrated in the Christian calendar. Um, a pope, Pope Gregory, got the Christian calendar together and put the beginning of the year um, at this day. Uh, in the Jewish calendar, it was this year in the fall, and it's dated from creation, some 5,000-some years. I don't know exactly what they are right now. but um, and If you were in the Roman calendar, New Year's was in March and uh, dated differently probably from the foundation of Rome itself. And if you go to the Chinese calendar, their New New Year's in February, and they have a different number of years. So there's nothing sacred about which day you celebrate or which year you count. But despite those differences in numbers, every culture has celebrated the ending of one year and the coming of another. That's the one thing in common no matter when you do it or no matter what year you celebrate, that's what has happened. And as we reflect on the year that just left us and the year that's just beginning, I thought it might be worthwhile for us to consider faith. How has our faith been in the past year? And how will our faith have a chance to be exercised in the new year, no matter what might be coming? Let us take a look at the importance of faith and the benefit of having faith. Turn with me to Hebrews, the 11th chapter, starting at verse 1. Verse 1 tells us, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. It's an assurance. It's conviction. That something is, even though we cannot see it. Seeing is not believing in the Christian faith. When Thomas, who did not see Jesus appear before the other disciples... The other apostles said he wouldn't believe it unless he saw Jesus and could touch him and feel him. About a week later, Jesus appears when Thomas is there and says, Thomas, stop doubting and believe. Here I am. Touch me. But then he says, you see and you believe, but blessed is the one who doesn't see and believes. And that's where we are 2,000-some years later. We haven't seen the resurrected Jesus. We haven't felt the resurrected Jesus. We believe by faith what is written in the Word. Even though we don't see, we still believe. We may be assured or convinced of something. For instance, at the end of the week, I'm going to have more money in my bank account. How do I have that understanding? Well, if you put in a 40 hours worth of labor at your work and you've got an agreement with automatic pay, Friday that gets into your account. It's not a matter of faith, it's a matter of you've done something, you've made an arrangement and you trust that that provision will be there. But I remember one of our ministers once and um, Rick, who has institutional memories of our, <laughs> of our denomination, our presbytery, back many, many decades. One of our ministers had left his church. He hadn't been able to find another job. And they were getting so low on their funds, they didn't know where they were going to be able to get dinner. And so he prayed to the Lord. He prayed by faith. He didn't know where it was coming from. He couldn't see any provision was going to be made from a human point of view. But he prayed to the Lord to make provision. And later on, I don't know if it was that day or that week, he went to the mailbox, and lo and behold, in the mailbox, out of the blue, I might say out of the blue of God's sky, there's an envelope. And somebody he had known many years before and had had been a blessing to Decided to send him some money. And it provided for the food that they needed. That's faith. That's the assurance of things not seen. I believe that God is going to make provision for us. And I will have faith, even though I don't see how, that that's going to happen. That's what faith is. The assurance of things not seen. How have we exercised this faith in the past year? And how are we going to be ready to exercise it in the year to come? That's what faith is. Now, what are the benefits of faith? Well, there are at least four. Two are in this passage we're looking at, and two others are in other passages we're going to look at. And so, concisely, the first benefit of faith is that it pleases God. Look, verse 2 of Hebrews 11. For by it, by faith, the people of the old, of old, receive their commendation. And this whole chapter is full of those people who, of old, who were commended because of their faith and I hope you'll take time maybe be later on today or sometime this week to read through this chapter and think about the situations they were in and the faith they exercised in that situation. Some of them never received the blessing of God in their lifetime but believed and we are receiving and we have received the benefit thousands of years later of the faith that they had. And we are given an example in verse 4, by faith Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him and accepting his gifts, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. Theologians argue over why Cain's was accepted and, um, and uh, our, our Abel's was accepted and Cain's wasn't And was it the the type of offering? Was it one was blood sacrifice and the other just a grain offering and so forth and so on? But it's stated right here. It is by faith. Abel offered his sacrifice by faith. Cain didn't offer his sacrifice by faith. And that made the difference. And so when we come here to worship, we may be worshiping, we may be going through all the motions, but if there's no faith involved, it isn't a a worship that is acceptable to God. And that is why faith is such an important thing to think about as we begin a new year. And then we see the faith of Enoch. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. And now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. The man didn't see death. He he was translated right to heaven. In bodily form. Because he pleased God. Through what? Faith. By faith he was taken up so that he should not see death. And this is the main point, given in verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Faith. For by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, not as a result of works that no one can boast. I I talk to so many people who go to church regularly and do the Lord's Supper and learn about Christ and celebrate the incarnation and celebrate the resurrection. And when you ask them how they know they're going to heaven, they'll say, well, I've lived a pretty good life. Are my good will outweigh my bad? And my response is always then, why did Jesus have to die? If you can do it based on your doing, then Jesus wasn't needed. But you couldn't do it. We cannot do it. Because all our good works are nothing but filthy rags in His sight. It's by grace we are saved. Through faith, And the faith that pleases God is the faith that believes that He is, that He rewards those who seek Him, and put their faith in His Son, Jesus Christ, and the sacrifice that He made for us on the cross. And though we cannot see these things, we believe them by faith and the testimony of those who've come before saying these things are so. Ultimately we can't prove anything. Most of what we believe is based on assumptions and life works well or doesn't work well according to those assumptions and so sometimes we need to change our assumptions to make it work a little bit better. I can't prove my car is going to start when I leave here. I hope I haven't done something (laughs) in saying that. That's going to now malfunction. I believe it will. But I don't have to go out and check all the things in the car to make sure everything's working right. I just believe. I put the key in and I start it and I believe it's going to happen. And most of the time it does. Everyone swaps, let me down. Most of the time it does. But you never know. It might not, but I believe it will. Everyone in this world has their belief system, and they have their assumptions about life. We can't prove that God exists. Much before I ever had an intellectual argument for God are so-called proofs of God. I believed in my little heart of hearts as a very young person that God existed. I remember in early grade school, visiting in Florida and writing on the beach in big letters, how great thou art so God could see it. I remember having struggles And going to God in prayer. It was just something I always believed that was always there. Nobody had to argue me into it or reason me into it. That faith was there. I believe is the early gift of God. And now I can give all kinds of intellectual arguments, but when it comes right down to it, it's just I believe it. Same way with the Bible. The confession tells us that there's many great arguments for the Bible. But it ultimately comes down to, when we read it, we understand it's the Word of God by reading. And I accepted the Bible as an assumption, and I've been reading ever since, and I have now all kinds of arguments why it's the Word of God. But I just always believed it. Now, on the other hand, you also can't prove that God doesn't exist. As a matter of fact, intellectually speaking, it's much harder to prove a negative than it is a positive. It's much harder to show that God doesn't exist than it is that he does exist. And there are people that just foolishly have the assumption that God doesn't exist and whether God if things work out well for them or not in life, they just don't believe it. I hope that you are assured of the existence of God, and that if you seek Him in your life, that you'll have a great blessing in your soul and living. And if you don't have faith, I pray that you will soon have the inner conviction of things unseen. because. To be pleasing to God, we must believe that he is. May we please God through our faith and through the life that's an extension of that faith which we have. The second benefit of faith is that we can begin to properly understand the world. Look at verse 3, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. What we understand about the world, especially its origins, informs us about what life is about and how we are to live. The secular materialist sees the world as a product of chance, not intelligence, of randomness and not purpose, measured only by what we can see and can measure, and that the system is closed. The spiritually minded, however, see the world in a from a different perspective. It is the product of intelligence from one outside the system. There is a purpose and meaning because there is unseen reality behind it that gives it meaning. Science might be able to tell us what, but it can never tell us why. Now neither of these views can be proven. Why? Because nobody was there at the beginning to see what happened. And because creation cannot be repeated, and continually test it over and over again, the scientific method has nothing to say about it. So when the science talks about origins, they're talking about things they can't measure or they can't do because they were never there to be able to see it. And even if they were to be able there to be able to see it, and were using the scientific method and could observe and measure the whole point would be missed if they couldn't see the unseen realities behind what was happening at creation. It is therefore a matter of faith or assumptions from both views. But at least the Bible is honest about it. It says by faith we understand the universe was created by the word of God. And the scientist by faith understands that the world was made by chance and no real driving purpose. They are assumptions that are made based on our view of origins. We take by faith Genesis 1. Once we have this kind of world view, we view the world in a certain way. We see God's glory, the Soviet cosmonaut went up in the space, went around the Earth, looked out his window, and in his words to those back on Earth, said, "I don't see God anywhere." The American astronaut went up into the space, looked out the window, read the Bible and said, "The heavens declare the glory of God." both trained scientific people looking at the world from a different point of view, from different assumptions, one with faith and one without faith. The one giving glory to God and the other robbing God of His glory. We see an accountability to a Creator and the reality of another dimension that others don't. And I think that's why so much evil can be done in the world and no one thinks about it. Because they think when they die they just rot in a grave and whatever they do here doesn't really matter once they leave, as long as they get theirs. Are they believe that everybody's going into heaven, that, that, uh, that uh, God's some wishy-washy person in heaven, that no matter what you've done, you're going to be received in with open arms? But That's not what the Bible teaches. Jesus says it's better for you to cut off your hand and enter into life not being whole than to go to hell and have a whole body. Jesus says the dealing with sin and the wrong in our life is so critical. And he's not saying that we should cut off body parts because we'd be eyeless, handless, footless after a while. But he's showing here by this illustration how serious this thing is of not living by faith and not pleasing God and of leaving this world, having lived in a way that's going to bring the judgment of the Creator to whom we all will give an account in this world. Now, we can try to talk to others about the evidence of God and the reality of moral laws, but ultimately it must be received by faith, something given by God, as we pray that their eyes and minds and ears will be open to the things of faith. Now turn with me to 1 John, the fifth chapter. We've seen that we've seen that faith pleases God. We say that faith is needed for a proper understanding of this world. Now we see that faith helps us to overcome the world system. 1 John 5.4 For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? The world here is not the world of trees and of animals and of lakes and of stars and that's not the world. The world here and You need to make a distinction in the scripture when you read it. What world is being talked about? Is it talking about the world of creation? Or is it talking about the world system that is set against God? The principalities and powers and corruption and high places that that fight against the will of God. The nations roaring against God and against His anointed. This world system is a crushing system set against God's commandments, full of violence, abuse, immorality, living outside God's purposes and full of absurdity. In contrast to verse 3, for this is the love of God that we keep His commandments and His commandments are not burdensome. That's not the world system The world system doesn't care about obeying God's commandments. They don't want the Ten Commandments posted. They don't need to be reminded of anything about God and His commands. The world system is a way of uncontrolled desires, of lust being mistaken for love, of hatred for good and justice, of corruption and selfishness. And how do we overcome this world system and gain victory? over the overpowering godliness and passion run amok in our world. We do so by faith. We stand by faith. Specifically, faith in Jesus, the Son of God. Believers in God have always stood against the ungodliness of the world system, whether that be pagan Rome in which Christians were martyred regularly Are the Nazi racism that ended up with so many people in death camps? Are the communists atheism, which ended up again with gulags of people imprisoned because they could not be re-educated to believe in a godless world? The communists believed in one generation they could wipe out religion. Well, I tell you what. Communism is gone in that area of the world, and the faith still lives strong. Faith survived. And each system was overcome, and each system was brought to defeat, and the victory came to those who believed. How did you face the world system in the last year by faith? Were you overwhelmed by it or were you able to stand by faith and face it in opposition and prepare to do whatever is coming in the present year to live by faith? The fourth benefit of faith is that there are unlimited possibilities. If we turn to Mark, the 10th chapter, picking up at verse 24, before I read it, faith in and of itself has no power except as a placebo effect. There's some benefit of faith if it's positive thinking even though there's no reality behind it. But it is not faith in and of itself that is important. It's the object that we put our faith in that's important. And since we put our faith in unlimited God, therefore our faith and the things we believe have no limit. In response to a statement given by Jesus that it is impossible for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The astonished disciples asked, then who can be saved? Verse 24, Mark 10, and the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to them again, children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. God has no limits. I remember one of our theology classes once. The professor was asked, Can God make an object so big that he can't lift it? And he answered one of the ancient, ancient fathers of the church and said, Yes, he can make such a thing, and then he'll lift it. In other words, God doesn't fit our normal categories. As the old saying is, you can't put God in a box. God can do anything. He can split the sea and bring through the people of Israel. He can resurrect people from the dead. He can take a small army and have a small army of 400 defeat an army of hundreds of thousands. Israel was not to trust in other countries to save them. They were to trust in God. The walls of Jericho fell and the city was taken because of God doing what was seemingly impossible. And in the previous chapter, Mark the ninth chapter, the 23rd verse, Jesus speaks to a man who's very frustrated because his son who has epilepsy and demon possession, his disciples were unable to bring a cure And so in verse 21, and Jesus asked the Father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, From childhood. And it has often cast him into the fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said, If you can, all things are possible to the one who believes. Don't ever say to Jesus, if you can do this, do this for me. Just say, Lord, I believe you can do this if you're willing, whatever it is. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. Aren't we all kind of in that position? We believe, but when we hit a rough spot, we struggle, don't we, sometimes? How's God going to work that I don't see any way? And when Jesus saw that the crowd had come running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you muted and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And it happened. Hopefully, just as the father believed after Jesus said, all things are, doesn't mean all things are probable. It says all things are possible. May the eyes of faith and the encouragement that all things are possible, as we believe in an all-powering God, open up for us. Great faith this year. That if we just believe it's possible because God is an unlimited God. Let us pray. Lord, we pray as we come to the communion table that we will have faith in what Jesus did and the elements here representing his body and blood given and shed for us. And we pray, Lord, that you grant us the ability to evaluate our faith, where we are in the faith, where we've been in the last year, how we've failed to believe and therefore failed to be faithful and encourage us in this year to come, that already there are probably tests of our faith that might even happen today that we would be able to say with this Father, Lord, I believe. Help me in my unbelief. And There is someone here today that really has not yet believed, has not made this faith their own has not come to the cross and believed wholly. that the instant they believed in Jesus' sacrifice was the instant their condemnation and sins were rolled away. May this be the day that they exercise that faith and have the freedom from sin that that faith brings. We ask it in Jesus' name. Visit our website at www.mercyhillandj.org. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Church House located at 300 University Boulevard in Glassboro, off of Harvard Avenue, adjacent to the J. Harvey Rogers School and near Rowan University. We'd love for you to join us. Please see our website for directions. Thank you again for listening to the Mercy Hill Sermon Podcast.